Welcome to the Inside Out Life, the podcast where we strive for inward reformation that inspires outward transformation in every area, marriage, family, faith, and life. I'm your host, author, and pastor, Chris Schimmel. Today, I want to talk to you about self-respect. However, before I start, I want to read two scriptures for you. One is found in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. And here's what it says. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light, who were once not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. And the other scripture that I want to read for you is from Matthew chapter 5 and verse 37. And it says there, Let your yes be yes, and your no, no. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. Okay, so I want you to listen carefully to the following rhetorical questions. Just think about your answer as I read them. First one, how many have said yes to a request from someone? Mom, dad, a friend, boss, neighbor, uh, pastor, who you didn't want to do what they were asking you to do. And then you became angry at, or maybe uh, you even resented the person for asking you to do it in the first place. How about that one? Or how about this? How many have said yes to someone because you felt obligated, not because you wanted to, and almost as soon as you said yes, you started planning your excuse when the time would come for why you weren't going to be able to do it. Okay, or how about this one? How many have felt that honoring your father and mother was equivalent to seldom or maybe never saying no to them? Or here's another. How many have felt love for God and people always, or at least usually, requires us to do things they ask us to do, even if we don't want to, or don't have the time to do them? So there are probably a hundred of these uh, different scenarios that we could mention that have to do with unclear boundaries and incorrect assumptions about obligations. And as the family breaks down in our world more and more, and as the dysfunction of our age increases, resulting in, well, probably more than anything else, lower self-esteem across the board, the boundaries 
uh, boundaries in people's lives are becoming more and more blurred between family members and friends and relationships of all kinds and further resulting in more and more resentment in our world. The other day I pulled out of the church parking lot and just as I did, a lady turned the corner and apparently she felt that she needed to take her foot off the gas to slow her, her progress because um, I had pulled in front of her. Now, she really didn't need to because there was plenty of space between us. I could see her out of the mirror. Um, but as she passed me with a, with a disgusted look on her face, she mouthed an expletive or maybe several and extended one of her, uh, you know, fingers in my direction. Um, but that's not bad driving. That's an example of the resentment that fills people's hearts today. And I guarantee the cause is partly, if not fully, a lifetime of violated boundaries. Now, I took part in a class um, a while back entitled Boundaries for Life. I had never taken uh, one of these classes or or led one before and honestly my eyes were opened to a lot of things that I had never seen before. I I felt that I had a pretty good handle on healthy boundaries, but I I did discover that there were indeed some places in my life where a better understanding understanding of boundaries would certainly be helpful. For example, sometimes I say too much. Uh, now, not when I preach, of course, but uh, I, give, I give too much explanation sometimes when I talk to people or justification to people. And by doing this, I, I cross my own boundaries of, of personal self-disclosure. And it forces people to, well, hear more than they should sometimes, which is an invasion of other people's privacies. I also cross boundaries in my own spiritual giftedness and roles in my life and abilities that I have all the time. I do things that I am reluctant to ask people to do because I don't want to obligate them. And sometimes it's easier to just, well, do it myself. But the result is I feel burnout because I'm doing more than I should be doing in areas where I shouldn't be doing them, and I rob someone else of an opportunity to minister for Christ. Just little boundaries that I find that I cross from time to time. Jesus' words are, and we read them earlier, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Often Christians talk about faithfulness, which is um, largely a yes issue. Um, but today, in this podcast, we're talking about no, which is largely a boundaries issue, which is also primarily, primarily a self-respect issue. 
there are many places in the scripture where God instructs us, that's right, instructs us to say no. See if you agree. We are to say no to sin. And we're to say no to improper use of our tongue. And we're supposed to say no to hatred and unforgiveness and bitterness. Ephesians 5.31 says, once we're married, we are to say no to our parents' influence. We're to say no to judgmentalism as well and legalism and false prophecy and the influence of riches and and family uh, spiritual resistance. We're supposed to say no to all those things and more. And as I see it, there are about four areas that we need to address if we are going to say no properly and establish healthy boundaries and walk in God-glorifying respect. Well, we need to understand four things, as I said. First of all, we need to have a proper understanding of honor and um, respect or honoring and respecting the scripture instructs us to honor and respect our spouses, our children, our parents, our elders, our spiritual leaders, and our governmental leaders. And this kind of honor and respect, however, does not mean allow yourself to be abused by these people without um, the, the freedom or feeling it's acceptable to challenge them on certain things. It's amazing to me how many uh, spiritual and scriptural boundaries are crossed in the name of honor and respect. I could cite dozens of men who crossed a boundary of physical, emotional, or verbal abuse with their wives, and uh, they come to me demanding that their wives are out of line for not wanting to submit or honor or, or, or for wanting, even wanting to leave their husbands um, for their own safety and sanity. My Bible says, husbands, honor, love, nourish, and cherish your wives. Does physical, emotional, or verbal abuse sound like that? Honor and respect? No. You see, honor and respect is a two-way street. And the same is true with the others. The Bible says we are to honor and respect. It is never one-sided. We, we honor our spouses and our children and our parents and our elders and our spiritual leaders and our governmental leaders and and. Respect and honor should come back as well. The scripture, the scriptural ad admonition to honor and respect our spouses, children, parents, elders, and spiritual leaders is always an exhortation to the giver to give honor and respect, not for the receiver to demand it or, co or coerce it or manipulate manipulate it or abuse it. Healthy honor and respect will never threaten our own self-respect. 
And you see, when we try to use that against other people who should be honoring us, we are not honoring them. And we are not respecting them. Um, an adult man who was married was trying to honor his mother properly. But she continued to saddle him with judgmentalism and oppressive tasks and guilt if he didn't cater to her needs. Because after all, she should honor and respect his mother, right? Well, finally, he was so stressed by all of the expectations that she was placing on him for his own sanity. And because he felt disrespected by her, he set a boundary. And he limited his availability to her because healthy honor and respect never threatens one's self-respect. All right, the second area that we need to address if we are going to say no properly is we need to understand and embrace who we are in Christ. So a few years back, my wife and I went through a, a three-day program called Focusing Leaders. It took, us, it took us through a process of life examination designed to help us bring focus to our lives. Now, they asked us to examine all kinds of experiences um, in our lives. I mean, all of them. Uh, and the positive experiences were placed on yellow, yellow sticky notes. And the negative experiences were placed on pink sticky notes. And all of them were stuck to a larger poster in order of their occur occurrence in rows from uh, the top to the bottom and uh, then, then across the way. Um, so my wife's poster... <laughs> board was mostly all yellow with a very few pink spots on it. In other words, it was filled with good experiences. Now, my poster board, on the other hand, looked like a pink elephant had laid down on it. Um, and some would probably say, well, that sure explains a lot about you, uh, sir. Um, but the process was intended to help people by looking at their pasts their spiritual gifts, their likes, their dislikes, and what they did well and not so well, and their troubles and their ministry experiences and so forth, to discover who God has made them to be. And from that, develop a personal mission statement that they could follow for the rest of their lives to help them focus in a more intentional way, on God's purpose for them. Well, we don't really need to go through a three-day-long event to find out who we are in Christ. All we need to do is spend a lot more time with the one who knows us better than anyone and bring our faults and our past sins and our insecurities and our our certainties and our uncertainties and our pride and our weakness before the Lord and listen as he communicates to us his love and his forgiveness and his acceptance of us as we are. Philippians 3.10 says that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his 
death. And this scripture suggests that all healing, wholeness, self-respect, self-realization, and so forth comes from knowing Christ better. And the more time we spend with the one who made us and knows us, and the more we know him, the more we will know ourselves. And this will also help us as we consider the next area. So third, we need to understand our worth in Christ. Life is cruel. We start out as pure and whole as we will ever be in this life when we are birthed into this world. Then, however, we are sinned against with abuse or poor examples um, or the sinfulness of this world. And yes, even our parents. And then we follow suit. We sin and we do so against ourselves. We take up the torch and we sin against, as I said, ourselves and God and others. And the purity and the wholeness that we were born with begins to unravel and along with it our feelings of self-worth and self-respect. Of dozens of examples I could mention, a person I know named Paul is just one. From the day he was born, his father heaped disapproval on his son. You can't do anything right, he'd say. You're just stupid. Why did we have you anyway? Why can't you be like your sister? He heard these kinds of things from his dad his whole life. And is it any wonder that Paul turned to drugs at 13 to try and mask the bad feelings that he had? about himself. Well, Paul turned to drugs. Some turned to destructive relationships. Some to alcohol. Some to gambling or food or, or workaholism or medication or woe is me-ism and self-pity or other forms of coping emotionally. But those who turn to Christ find healing, and they recapture the self-worthiness and self-respect that Jesus intended that all of us would have. Many people can't set healthy boundaries and say no to people because they're so lacking in self-worth. So they try to find their self-worth by saying yes to everyone in their lives because if people are pleased with them, then they will at least feel worth, even if it's just for a moment. But in Christ, there is the potential for much more and better. Jesus says in Matthew, if God values the sparrow enough to care for all of its needs, how much more does he care for you and value, value you as his child who is the crown of his creation? All right, last. We need to understand our place as boundary keepers 
because we are God's unique children. Each one of us have the right as a child of God to not be asked, manipulated, or coerced to do anything unethical or sinful. We also have the right as a child of God to obey and follow scriptural wisdom and leading as we interpret it. We also have the right as a child of God to be who God made us to be in personality and in personal abilities and in spiritual giftedness and not something else that someone else wants us to be. We also have the right as a child of God to refuse anything that we are spiritually uncomfortable with and anything we feel God would not have us do. We also have the right as a child of God to not be manipulated by incorrect or out-of-context usage of God's word. We have the right as a child of God to hear and obey God's voice to us as we interpret it. We have the right as a child of God to set up emotional and relational boundaries and to inform people when they are crossing them and prohibit people from crossing them. And we have the right as a child of God to say no to anything or anyone. Those are our rights. And we as self-respecting people who have grown in who we are and our relationship with Christ have an understanding of who we are and we can say no, we can set those boundaries.